Crime Salad listeners, welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. My name is Ashley, and with me always is... My partner in crime, Ricky. (laughs) We hope you're having an amazing week, and you're getting ready for Halloween this weekend. We have two new patrons this week we'd like to shout out, Francis and Troy. Woo! <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your support. We love you. Thank you guys. Um, and we're going to make this short and sweet for you. So let's jump into this week's episode. To an outsider, it may seem like there isn't a lot going on in Lebanon, Missouri. There's a Route 66 museum, a Walmart, a bowling alley, and a few shops. It's less than 15 square miles and has about 14,000 residents. But if current trends hold, there's a 1 in 19 chance that you will be a victim of a violent crime, making it one of the most violent areas in the United States. Because of its violent past and proximity to the Ozarks, an area with a surprising amount of unsolved missing persons cases, Cassidy Rainwater's mysterious disappearance garnered media attention. Though there isn't much the police have let on about what happened to Cassidy Rainwater, the people of Missouri haven't stopped speculating. In this episode of Crime Salad, we'll present you with all of the facts, some of the most shocking theories about what might have happened to Cassidy, and let you form your own conclusions while we wait for the true answers from this investigation to be made public. Cassidy Rainwater was from Harrisonville, Missouri, a small town 40 miles southeast of Kansas City, and she had a half-sister named Ishara Wawasuk. Other than that, there is not much we know about Cassidy Rainwater before her disappearance this summer. We know that in 2003, she was a freshman at Harrisonville High School in Cass County. And we know that in 2015, according to her Facebook account, she was living in Boulder, Colorado. But the summer of 2021, she was 33 years old and taking care of her young son back in Missouri. Sadly, we also know that Cassidy and the Rainwater family are no strangers to crime and loss. In 2007, when she was 18 years old, Cassidy's mother, Tracy Wawasuk, disappeared from their home in LaClade County. Tracy was 43 years old. Tracy's boyfriend at the time, Leonard Couch, told the LaClade County Police Department that Tracy had left earlier that day to search for arrowheads and simply never returned. They searched for her, but nothing was discovered until May of 2008. A farmer fertilizing a field in Lebanon, Missouri, stumbled upon a shoe. As he investigated further, the farmer found human bones and teeth scattered in his field. The LaClade County Sheriff at the time, Richard Wrinkle, announced that the remains were identified as Tracy Wawasuk. Surprisingly, he also shared that there are no signs of trauma on the bones that one typically expects to see when foul play is involved. 
Despite the suspiciousness of these circumstances and her disappearance, no suspects were announced and no charges were filed. According to the coroner, Tracy's case is still open, but has gone cold. Some suspect that Leonard Leo Couch, Tracy's then-boyfriend, might have something to do with her disappearance and death, but it was never confirmed. According to officials, there are no leads on this case. For those who suspect that Leo Couch had some involvement, well, he passed away in February of 2021, taking with him any hope of a confession or new details. With what we know about Cassidy, officials have also suggested that they see no connection between what happened to Cassidy and what happened to her mother. According to investigators, there are two tragic events in one family, but that's the only link. For reasons we aren't quite sure of, in the summer of 2021, Cassidy Rainwater, 33-year-old, had come to live with 58-year-old James Phelps in Lebanon, Missouri, in rural Dallas County. She had not brought her son with her, and for some time, Cassidy was staying in a loft on James Phelps' property at 386 Moon Valley Road. The property was a bit more rural, with a few sheds and a cabin across the property. Cassidy was familiar with the area, though, as the Rainwater family had once owned land in an area on the same road. James Phelps said that Cassidy was staying with him for a while while she got back on her feet. We aren't quite sure how consensual the stay was, though, because by late August, no one had heard from Cassidy in weeks. Her family, though apparently used to not hearing from her, began to grow worried as she wasn't returning any calls or texts. An anonymous family member decided that they needed to contact the police, so they filed a missing persons report with the Dallas County Sheriff's Office. After the report was filed, police learned that the last time anyone could attest to seeing her or hearing from Cassidy Rainwater was July 25th of 2021. And knowing that Cassidy had been staying with James at the Moon Valley Road residence, they went there first. James told police about how he was helping Cassidy. But in the middle of the night on the 25th, he had seen her get into a dark vehicle at the end of his driveway. James reported that Cassidy had gone back to Colorado. He suggested to police that she wasn't a missing person at all. To confirm his story, James took police to the loft where Cassidy had allegedly been staying. And when they got there, however, they could see no sign that Cassidy was ever living there. I mean, beyond just a normal cleaning, the loft had seemed like it was stripped of all personal belongings or any DNA evidence that could prove that she had been there at all. Though it seems suspicious that Cassidy would just take off to Colorado, leaving behind her child and not telling any of her family, and that the room that she had been staying in had been so thoroughly stripped of everything, the police had little to go on. So did Cassidy really leave town on her own? And what was her connection to James Phelps? And was he telling the truth?
For weeks, nothing really changed in Cassidy Rainwater's case. There were no new leads and no evidence that could help explain where she had gone. On September 16, 2021, things finally took a turn when the small Dallas County Sheriff's Office received a call from the FBI office in Kansas City, the largest town in Missouri, about 300 miles away. The Kansas City FBI had received a picture of a partially nude woman in obvious distress locked inside of a cage. After looking through their databases of missing women, they made a positive ID. The woman in the cage was Cassidy Rainwater. With this new evidence that Cassidy's life was in clear jeopardy and danger, the FBI, in tandem with the Dallas County Sheriff's Office, immediately moved into arrest the only possible suspect, the last person to have seen Cassidy alive, James Phelps. Along with his arrest warrant, the police also were able to get a search warrant to examine James's phone and property. On his phone, they found several more disturbing images, similar to the one that had been anonymously sent into the FBI. All photos showed Cassidy, partially nude, distressed, and locked inside of a cage. From these photos, though, it was clear that the cage was on James's property. With this new incriminating evidence, it was obvious that James was involved. But where was Cassidy now? Soon after the arrest, the Dallas County Sheriff's Office made a public post on Facebook announcing that they had taken James Phelps of Moon Valley Road into custody. However, there was essentially no information given about what happened to Cassidy, what the police knew, and where the investigation was heading. Authorities only stated that given the extreme nature of the case, there was nothing else they could reveal publicly at that point. With so little to go off of, the public only grew more interested and media attention began to explode. When the public waited for more answers on Cassidy's case, the police were diligently digging for the truth. While they had one man in custody, there was much more to the story. On September 19th and 20th, only days after arresting James, investigators conducted two interviews with a man named Timothy Norton. Timothy is a 56-year-old acquaintance of James, but the extent of the relationship is unclear. In his first interview, Timothy told police that he was a trucker who frequently passed through the area. On his nights off, he would sleep in his truck. At first, Timothy wasn't giving much up, but by the second interview the following day, it seemed that he was ready to admit his involvement. Timothy admitted that he knew Cassidy was in a cage on James's property. Not only that, but according to the affidavit that was later released, Timothy Norton admitted that James Phelps had called him over in the first place to help him restrain Cassidy Rainwater. Timothy had come over and the two men physically restrained her, holding her down for a substantial period of time. After his confession, Timothy was also arrested. Both James Phelps and Timothy Norton were subsequently charged with first-degree kidnapping, facilitating a felony, and inflicting injury and terrorizing. The pair has been held without bail in jail since mid-September. Although he confessed that he participated in at least the initial abduction of Cassidy, Timothy's attorney, Brandon Tweebell, says that Timothy actually denied all of these allegations. 
Despite the fact that there has been obvious progress in this case given the arrest of another man, and despite local demand to know more, the police continued to remain tight-lipped about this case. On October 4th, they revealed that they had several items that would be used in the investigation, but they did not directly state what they were. On October 5th, the night before James Phelps and Timothy Norton were scheduled to make their first court appearance for a preliminary hearing, the Dallas County Sheriff's Office was notified that there was a fire on Moon Valley Road. James Phelps' home, the home where Cassidy had allegedly been held in a cage, had completely burned to the ground. The fire had begun late Monday night around 1.30 in the morning. Firefighters attempted to contain the flames, but there was little that they could do. As more firefighters arrived on the scene, one noticed something alarming. A possible tripwire had been rigged on the property. With a possible active bomb nearby, the Springfield Fire Department's bomb squad was called to the scene. Once there, they uncovered not only one, but two incendiary devices on the property, both rigged to explode with a tripwire. Both bombs were homemade, made out of mortar tubes, balloons, and coiled fuses. And luckily, the bomb squad safely detonated both bombs without causing any injury or further damage. With so much of the property damaged and gone, it seems likely this will severely impact investigators' ability to find evidence to connect James and Timothy to Cassidy's disappearance, beyond just the possession of those photos. And it's unclear just how much this will impact future court proceedings. Given the bomb, the timing of it all, and the lack of answers, it seems highly likely that the fire was somehow orchestrated to interfere with the police's investigation into Cassidy's abduction. But yet, this only leads to more questions. Who could have started the fire? Is there a third person involved in this case? And what are James and Timothy truly involved in? Since the police have revealed so little information to the public, it's hard to know how much of an effect the loss of the house and the possible crime scene will have on the outcome of the investigation. We are hopeful that the police were able to recover enough to provide the Rainwater family and the Lebanon community with the answers they so desperately need. With such a confusing case and with so little information given to the public, there is no wonder why so many rumors have started to swirl about what happened to Cassidy Rainwater. What we are going to share here are some of the most widely supported theories and some of the most important points that might help us make sense of what happened to Cassidy. First, there have been some shared photos of social media posts allegedly from Cassidy's family members that Cassidy had been found dead. It's very likely that the Rainwater family will know more about the case than the general public, but we haven't been able to verify if any of these posts are true until there is a confirmation from an official source that Cassidy has been found dead or alive, we simply cannot know. 
Social media sleuths looking for answers have also noted that a sex offender named Kenneth Smith is registered to be living at 386 Moon Valley Road, James's property. This name hasn't come up in any police documents suggesting any connection to the case, but many have wondered what the relationship between Kenneth Smith and James Phelps or Timothy Norton might be. Some wonder if Kenneth is another possible victim or if he is just someone who coincidentally provided a false address, not knowing what the owner of the rural farm had possibly done. There's also growing speculation that Cassidy's case is linked to the Springfield Three, a cold case from 29 years earlier in June of 1999. Three women, Cheryl Lavette, her teenage daughter, Susie Streeter, and Susie's friend, Stacy McCall, all went missing from Cheryl's home the night after Susie and Stacy graduated from high school. The door to the home was found wide open, but there was nothing missing, no sign of a struggle and all of their personal belongings were still in the house. Witnesses reported that there had been an unusual van parked nearby the day that the women had gone missing. Keen observers of the Cassidy Rainwater case noted in the photos of James Phelps's property that a similar looking van was parked near his home, though it looked old and in disrepair. Given that Springfield is only an hour away and the van might have some connection to the Springfield 3, some theorists have taken to suggesting that James Phelps might be involved in more than just one crime. While we have our doubts about it, the largest rumor that has gained traction about Cassidy's case is the most disturbing. Some have said that a body was found strung up on meat hooks and skinned on James Phelps's property. And what's worse than that, according to these rumors, James and Timothy had been selling human meat on a dark web cannibal forum, and that Cassidy was their latest victim. Furthermore, some have said that freezers full of possible human meat with the people's names written on them were found. They alleged that more bodies were found in Bennett Springs, an area that's within walking distance from James's property on Moon Valley Road. Of course, we want to emphasize that all of this is just rumors shared online from friends of friends and locals. The Dallas County Sheriff, Scott Rice, wrote a scathing response to these rumors, saying, and we quote, There is a lot of misinformation and rumors regarding the Cassidy Rainwater case being circulated across social media and various news platforms. While I understand the impatience and curiosity of the people, I am going to give you a piece of advice. It is not a good idea to listen to a crime reporter slash blogger or TikTok videos that are sitting in their apartment or their mommy and daddy's basement eating great value cheese puffs and drinking box wine with grand intentions of being a social media superstar. Sheriff Rice's post goes on to emphasize the hard work of the police department and that they are working as fast and best that they can to find Cassidy and prosecute those involved to the fullest extent of the law. As of now, James Phelps remains in the Dallas County Jail, while Timothy Norton is being held at the neighboring Greene County Jail. It seems unlikely that either of them will be released anytime soon. 
The pair appeared via Zoom for their first hearing with their court-assigned lawyers. The prosecution asked for 45 days to prepare witnesses and notify family members in preparation for a full hearing. But the defense countered with 30 days, citing a new rule on how long inmates can be held without their official hearing. The court settled on November 5th and 9.30 a.m. for their first hearing. In the meantime, Sheriff Rice has announced that he believes new details will be released soon and that justice will be served for Cassidy Rainwater. When so little is made available about a case, it's no surprise people begin to come up with their own conclusions. There is obviously still so much more to come with Cassidy's disappearance. While we suspect that the rumors of cannibalism and connection to past cases might be just that, rumors, we can't be sure until we learn more from the sheriff's office. We'll keep you posted on any new developments in this case. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.